Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. Well, coming out of the pandemic, we see a lot of effects on people besides physical health. Isolation brought a high level of loneliness that we feel. Divisions seemed to become greater, as did anger for many. Christians became unsure how to handle all that was coming at them, making it hard to understand how to help others and how to survive or thrive even in this new era we're in where things are happening so fast. Well, today on In Awe by Bruce, we have pastor and author Dominic Doan to talk to us about his latest book, Longing Has a Name. Come alive to the story you were made for. So right off the bat, the longing has a name, gets me excited. It pulls me in. And he, he wrote this to help Christians understand how to thrive inwardly, regardless of our circumstances. It's perfect timing for what we've all been through. So a big welcome to pastor and author Dominic Doan. Thank you for coming on In Awe by Bruce. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I appreciate you putting a book out like this because it really is greater than than just getting by. It's it's getting down to thriving. So now that I'm thinking about it, my first question I'm really going to ask you is, what has God done in your life that has given you a perspective on how to help other people thrive? That's a deep question. You know, as I mentioned in the book, in the first couple chapters, really, Mm -hmm. I, I share about a difficult season that our family went through and how that led to kind of a rediscovery of a beautiful verse in Third John where John prays for his people. He says, beloved, I pray that your soul would, would flourish. Mm. And that got me set on a journey asking the question, and you alluded to it then, how can we thrive? How can we flourish in difficult times? Yes. Um, like like many people in our nation, our family, we lost a couple of loved ones during the pandemic. And my wife, about a year ago, suffered a spontaneous lung collapse, which led to several wow. surgeries. And just an interesting, challenging season, as David said, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. And when you go through seasons like that, there's almost a paradox because on one hand, you, you look at your life or you look at the lives of others who are around you, friends, relatives, coworkers, loved ones, and you, you wonder, okay, how can we experience what Jesus described, the abundant life, mm -hmm. the rivers of water that are flowing from him? Or Psalm chapter one, the tree that's planted by the rivers of living water that brings fruit in its season. How can we experience that? And it's a promise from the Lord yes. when we're in the midst of hard times. And what I argue for in the book, and, and it really centers around this idea of flourishing, mm -hmm. that it is possible for our soul to flourish even in the midst of difficult times. Mm -hmm. And that's through the power of the Spirit. It's radically different from what culture would define as flourishing. You know, culture defines flourishing as very external. You, yes. you have a raise or a new house or new spouse or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, all the material things that 
culture says you need in order to be happy, which is, by the way, a very Aristotelian idea. It goes back to the Greek philosophers. Aristotle, he talked about this idea of eudomenia, which is essentially the good life, but it, it's all external. But Jesus promises a way for us to thrive inwardly, even in the midst of the heartache, difficulty, and pain. So to answer your question, it really was the rediscovery of that verse in mm-hmm. 3 John about the flourishing of the soul as we were in the midst of a pretty difficult season that set me on a journey of, okay, what does the Bible actually say uh-huh. about flourishing? And how can we flourish in the midst of hard times? So before I ask you about that specifically, I wanted to get your feeling for the pulse of the people that you Mm. ran into maybe talking about this or sharing or when the book has come out and what their responses are. Do most Christians look at the abundant life that Jesus talked about as a pipe dream? I I think in many ways, yes. You know, you have on one hand the what's called the prosperity gospel, (laughs) where Mm -hmm. you have certain preachers that will essentially give a message that if you sign on the dotted line or give to their ministry or whatever, then you're going to drive an Audi or a Tesla and uh, you're going to get your dream home. So you have that portion of the Christian sector, which of Mm -hmm. course is an erroneous twisting of what the Bible actually says. And then others would simply over-spiritualize the idea of flourishing and uh, maybe make it more emotive, right? It's Uh feelings that we get when we're in a good worship service or kind of the the happiness or bliss you feel when you're standing transfixed by a sunset or walking hand in hand with a loved one on the beach. And all of those things, yeah, there can be a degree of of happiness that, that comes with it. But Scripture is describing a much deeper, more robust, more real flourishing of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I do in the first few chapters is unpack, okay, what is the soul? Because, again, this is another term, like the, the term flourishing, that, that gets thrown around a lot. But there's a ton of misunderstanding as to what it actually means. So now let's move forward a little bit. You've got us kind of set up. Connect for me all that you've been through. And where you're wanting people to head with the title of your book, Mm. Your Longing Has a Name. I love that. But connect that all into us. How is that an answer? We all have longings. And this actually is tied into the idea of soul. The word soul in Hebrew is nefesh. Mm. And it speaks of the deepest part of us that longs to connect with God. Or you think of Psalm 63 where David said, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My nefesh, my soul longs for you. I thirst for you in a dry and weary land. We all have longings. Or think of John chapter four, the woman at the well who was thirsty. And -hmm. Jesus then invited her to the living waters. We live in a moment where People are hungry, they're thirsty, they're desperate, they're longing, they're searching for the answers. In fact, according to recent polls, it really reflects a malady of the soul. Um, Pew Research, you've probably seen some of these over the last year, has revealed how we're all struggling physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Um, 75% of Americans are overwhelmed by stress. 72% say they're exhausted. 48% say they're hopeless. I mean, the, the, the stats just go on and on. And we're in this moment where, as Thomas More said, the great malady of the modern age is loss of soul. 
Hmm. So we see here a disordering of the soul coming out of the pandemic. There's something wrong at a soul level. And yet there's yearning, there's a longing, a desire in our soul. We may or may not be able to articulate it, but there is a desire in every human soul to be healed, to connect with its creator. That's the longing. And our longing has a name because where I bring the book is ultimately it's Jesus. He's the one that we're longing for. And he is the only one who can restore our soul. It's why Jesus said, come to me when you're weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. Our soul is everything. If our soul is flourishing, Mm. then nothing we go through can destroy us. But if our soul is crumbling, then nothing we go through can heal us. Mm -hmm. The health of our soul shapes the outcome of our life. That's very powerful. And I want to jump too far ahead of some things you could touch on here, uh, because I think you could probably give us an overview of some of the things you're talking about. But the effect, if we take this seriously, Dominic, then the effect on other people is what Jesus is talking about. Mm-hmm. When you know we show the world the love that he yeah. has for us and we have for him, right? That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Where I bring the book, it's not just for the flourishing of our own life. The, the, the reason why Jesus promises us the rivers of living water or Psalm 1, the tree that's planted to bring forth fruit, it's not just for our own benefit. Oh, my soul is flourishing. That's, that's great. Yeah. No, it's for the flourishing of the world. And, and this, by the way, is um, one difference between biblical ideas of flourishing and cultural ideas of flourishing, because culture would tell us it's all about you. You be you, right? Live your dream. It's all about your own personal happiness. And yet the Bible paints for us a far more compelling, rich, selfless vision that the reason he calls us to the living waters, the reason he calls us to a place of flourishing is so that our neighbor can flourish, our city can flourish, our coworkers can flourish, that this world, that the broken parts of this world could be put back together. Mm -hmm. That's such a representation of the kingdom that Jesus is talking Mm -hmm. about. You know, it's not the military takeover. Right. This takeover of the love and the grace and the redemption and bringing people back to God, like you said, where their real hunger is. For um, this past Lent season, the church I'm in, we did a book by N.T. Wright called Broken Signposts. I don't know if you've oh, ever seen it. Oh, I love uh, Yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, we have a Pursuing Faith, the organization I run, yeah. has a podcast, and we just had N.T. Wright on it. And we talked about that book specifically, Broken Signposts, and just had a wonderful conversation. I I love how he lays out—it's a book on longing in many ways. Yeah. The the longings of the soul, the signposts that that creation gives to us uh, that ultimately are pointing us back to God. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why when I saw your book and everything that you were doing, that it reminded me of that, but it reminded me in a way that— Yours is a, is a lot different from his in the sense that you're talking to people about how they can and where they go to thrive. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that that spreads and shares to other people, uh, which is what they're hungering for, right? We So many times we get caught up in the word evangelism and we think of uh, the right words to say. A lot of it is people watching and seeing that there's a different kind of life and there's something different about us. And it gives us the chance to point back to Jesus. That's right. Absolutely. Kind of give us an overview of what, I think you have seven steps, right, for renewed strength. 
Mm-hmm. When we start feeling weary, woo, can you give us an overview of that? Yeah, of course. So as I began to research and think through and pray through this idea of the flourishing of the soul, that then, of course, leads to the vital second question, and that is how. <laughs> uh-huh. Because it's one thing to you know have the theology behind it, but the theology needs to move somewhere. Uh, Miroslav Volf, he was a Cro- Croatian theologian, he once mm-hmm. said that the purpose of theology is not just for the understanding of the world, it's for the mending of the world. And so I think theology should lead us into a place of soul mending, but then the mending of the world around us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wrestling with this question, okay, Lord, there has to be some practical ways that we can put this into action. And this is one of the things I love about Scripture is that it's so immensely practical. It gives us ways to put these things into action. It's why I love the book of James so much. (laughs) And so I began to ponder this, and I, I asked myself the question, okay, who in Scripture went through a season of soul fatigue? And there's numerous examples. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think of David in the book of Psalms. and But then, then I thought about Peter. You know, Peter's one of my favorite characters. He's feisty yeah. and <laughs> had a foot-shaped mouth and, and yet that, was used me. by the Lord in, in amazing ways. And and I thought, perfect. He He's a man who went through a season as of languishing. You know, New York Times, they, just a few months ago, they said the emotional state of our nation is languishing. It's an interesting word, which yeah. it just means fatigue or a sense of lostness or hope, homelessness. Mm-hmm. And Peter's story is precisely that. He followed Jesus, then got burnt out, exhausted, fatigued, weary, disillusioned, goes back to his old life of fishing, and then Jesus catches up with him and calls out to him from the shore and says, friend, (laughs) invites him to breakfast. You know the story. And then Peter gradually, his soul through the power of the Spirit, Acts 2, is healed and restored. And as an old man, he, he is in prison, actually, and he takes pen to scroll, and he writes this beautiful book. It's kind of a, a book that we don't hear about too often in, in church circles. Mm-hmm. But in Second Peter, he, he really gives us a roadmap towards the flourishing life. And I'll, I'll just read to you the verse that, that really hit me in a new way. Yeah. In Second Peter 1, verse 5, he says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, mm-hmm. knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. And, and in that chapter, he he then goes on to say, look, if you're, if you're doing these things, it will keep you from being ineffective yes. and unproductive. And that phrase is so fascinating as I began to dig into it, ineffective and unproductive. Well, like many phrases in the Bible, in the original language, it's a word picture. And guess <laughs> what it's a word picture of? It's a picture of of a tree that's withering and wilting. It's really the exact opposite image of Psalm chapter 1, which describes the tree that's flourishing. Mm -hmm. So Peter is saying, look, you you don't want to be like a tree that's withering. No, you want to be a tree that's thriving. Mm -hmm. And and here's here's a way you can do that. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. So what I do in the book is introduce Peter's story And then I introduced this list of, I like to call them gifts. Some would use the word virtues, and certainly they are. But this is slightly different from, again, what Aristotle or or Plato or the Greek philosophers would say. They were really into virtues as well. 
but they often describe virtues as a far off distant place that you have to really strive and claw your way to to obtain them but jesus he invites us to a life where these things are already ours in Christ. That's why Peter in 2 Peter 1, he says, everything you need is, is in Christ. Um, mm -hmm. These are gifts given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that as we draw close to God, they yeah. begin to build our faith. They begin to heal our soul. Or as David said in Psalm 23, you restore my soul. Mm. Man, beautiful. I can't wait to see some of these pictures, you know, come out reading your book. But what do you find is the greatest area of struggle for people to overcome, to grasp a hold of the idea of being able to flourish? Oh, well, I, I think a, a big part of it has to do with identity. We have a real twisted view, I think, of what flourishing is culturally. Yeah. And, and on top of that, uh, the things we've walked through over the last few years and the pent-up grief that so many people carry. And then a loss of identity, who we are. Uh, you look around at our culture right now and we see there's a crisis of identity, people mm. questioning everything, you know, from their emotional state to their sexuality to their calling. And it's interesting, by the way, Peter says, make your calling and election sure in the mm. same passage where he invites us to the flourishing life. And, and so I think we live in this moment where, yeah, there is a crisis of identity. And I think the first most significant step that we can take is really understanding uh, who God says that we are. You know, mm. flourishing isn't trying to discover what's lost. It's rediscovering, in a sense, what's been there all along. Um, yes. God sees us as a finished work, right? He sees the thriving you, the fully alive you. And I think the question is less, how can I morph into someone I'm not? But instead, how can I live out God's vision of who <laughs> I already am in Christ? And what we see in Scripture is, God tells us who we are. We're his yeah. child, his friend, his righteousness, his handiwork, his joy, his delight, his body, his bride. The list goes on and on. And in a world that continuously lies about our identity, that loves to remind us of all we're not, not rich enough, smart enough, good-looking enough, famous enough, God says, you are mine and you always have been. <laughs> we are not defined by the mistakes we've made, by, but by the grace of God. And so in chapter one, I really push people to this, this truth of scripture that we're to accept we are accepted, that no mistake, regret, failure, weakness, missed opportunity, crippled hope, season of discouragement, none of that can revoke the vision that God has for us. Yes. I mean, two verses that jump out at me. One is the, as a man thinks, so he is. Mm. If you're looking at what the world tells you, then that's only going to drive you away from thriving. Whereas if that's you look right. at what God tells you, that takes you back to, to what really can give you that life and that soul refreshment and the restoration that you need. But and I've used this one, Dominic, on here before, but I can't help it. It's one of my favorite examples is... When you've got Gideon mm. hiding from the Midians, and mm. he's down in the threshing pit, and God shows up, you know, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Hail, mighty warrior. Yeah. <laughs> you could just feel Gideon going, uh, is somebody behind me? <laughs> what? What? Who? 
That's and, right. And that's the way God sees us, like you said. He he sees the us that we really are, and that's what he showed him he really was, if he just yes. would depend upon God. Oh, <laughs> that's so true. You know, it, it seems that every great artist sees something that no one else sees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and God, that's why he called, you know, God's the ultimate artist who calls us his poem in the book of Ephesians. I yes. was just in England a few days ago in London. And I was thinking about Banksy. Now, Banksy's a, a famous street artist and his works will, right. will just pop, pop up in different places in the world. Literally just overnight, you'll be walking down a subway station or something like, oh, there's a painting that Banksy just just did. <laughs> and he's a very interesting character. In fact, no one actually knows who he really is. Right. But he had this famous work called Girl with Balloon, I believe uh-huh. it's called. And uh, it, it was put on auction in, in 2018. A bunch of people show up to buy this thing. And it was worth at that time $1.4 million. Huh. And, and someone bought it. Well, and you can actually watch the video of this online. It's amazing. If all these people in this very prestigious room, millionaires, and he buys it for $1.4 million, and then the painting suddenly began to be torn apart. It ran at the bottom of, of the frame was a shredder. Yeah. And the painting ran through the shredder into all of these pieces and just fell on the ground. And people are like, what is going on? Someone just bought this, and now it's shredded to pieces. Well, it turns out Banksy put that shredder to be perfectly timed at the moment someone would buy it to be <laughs> torn apart. And you know, there's all kinds of speculation. Like, what, what kind of point is, is he making? Uh, yeah. Some kind of hit on you know materialism or whatever. And that's another subject. But here's the fascinating bit. The person who bought it said, I still want it. They then <laughs> took it home. The shredded... Yeah painting. Yeah. And now it's worth over $25 million. <laughs> oh my gosh. So in the process of destroying the artwork, a new one was created. And then mm. I, I, I think sometimes the most breathtaking art emerges from what life is shredded to bits. God knows this. That's why he never gives up on us. We may look at our soul and feel like, ah, oh, it's broken and yeah. messed up or betrayed my values or misplaced my hope. But God accepts us. He gathers up the broken pieces of our life, and he calls us beautiful. And that, that is the heart and soul of the gospel. Boy, no kidding. And like you mentioned in, in Ephesians where it talks about us, it, the word that is used in Greek is poema for handiwork or craftsmanship of what God did. But the point is, like you're saying, he's the artist. That's right. And he's created you. And... He has things that he wants you to walk in that express that poem, that artwork to the people around you that will give you fulfillment and give them an idea of who's behind it so that they will come and find that same artist. That's right. Reactions to the book so far? Right now, uh, my family and I were kind of in a pretty intense season of of traveling. God's just been opening up all kinds of doors for us to to go and share and and talk about the book. And in fact, in just a couple of days, we're headed to Albuquerque and then uh, to Southern Oregon and Southern California after that, and and then back to Europe. And uh, yeah, just speaking in a number of different settings and places, conferences and churches and things of that nature. And what we're finding is that 
it's kind of resonating this idea of the flourishing of the soul, that this idea of longing. We're we're finding that, yeah, people have experienced that, are thirsty yeah. for that, desire to step into the abundant life that Jesus promised. So mm. uh, it's been a fascinating season. Uh, we're seeing people give their life to Jesus for the first time. Uh, it's just been really overwhelming in some senses, but but really beautiful. And we're, we're so grateful. Man, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad that you're doing this and helping people realize what it is that God has offered to us through Jesus and and restoring the soul. What can people do to find out more about you and your ministry and, and what's going on and, and keep track of this? So we started a nonprofit about a year ago, and the nonprofit is called Pursuing Faith. The website is called pursuingfaith.org. And, and it's really built around this idea of how how can our soul flourish? How can our, our faith grow through through hardship? And not just through the difficulties of, of life, but through what we're seeing happening culturally now with this movement of deconstruction, people leaving the faith, people leaving church. Mm. How, how can people reconstruct and come back to faith? And, and so part of what we do is apologetic in nature. And on the other side, too, it, it has to do with the flourishing of the soul, the both different sides of the same coin. So our website, pursuingfaith.org, it gives digital resources, podcasts, links to the books, uh, has our speaking schedule. So that's a great way for people to get in touch. Mm -hmm. And then also on social media, uh, people can find me at Dominic Doan. And uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Okay. We'll be praying for you. Blessings to you. And, uh, you know, that God will just keep opening doors uh, and refreshing souls and and just building a movement here that can really catch on in our world and show people that there is a God who loves them and who's made them and wants them to come back into connection with them. And and I thank you very much for taking the time to to spend with on in awe by Bruce to to go over all this, Dominic. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. It's an honor to chat with you today. Okay. Well take care. God bless and we'll catch up with you later. Sounds good.